0: The horizon is wide and the highway is calling. That means it's time for another episode of American Road Trip Talk. I'm your host, Gary Mance, with a welcome and an invitation to travel the byways and backroads of yesteryear, searching for America in every incomparable mile. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen. Always glad to have you with us. You know, I read that intro every week. The horizon is wide and the highway is calling. In all honesty, I'm not sure the highway is calling you west. Right now, we have in, this is being broadcast and then will be in podcast form based on the work we are doing right now, September 18, 2020, and the West is in flames. I was looking at the wildfire map just a, about a half hour ago. It's extraordinary what's going on. It's terrifying and heartrending. all of that. And yet we hope for better times. We hope for better solutions to the problem of annual wildfires that seemingly, seemingly get worse every year. A gentleman that I wanted to talk to anyway, it's been a while since he graced our airwaves. Mark Green is with us, and I think he is the perfect guy to talk to about all this and put it into perspective. Mark Green is the producer and host of the Cars Yeah podcast, a -a five-day-a-week show where he conducts interviews with the goal of inspiring automotive enthusiasts. And all that enthusiasm comes out of his pores. Mark interviews successful entrepreneurs and other stars of car culture who have discovered how to work, play, and have fun with their passion for everything automotive. Mark Green joins us by Skype. He lives in Gig Harbor, Washington. Wow, Mark, so glad to have you with us and
1: just generally wow to all that I see on the evening news. Yes, wow, indeed. Thank you for having me back, Gary. I'm so excited to be here with you today. We're going to turn all this negativity into some positivity because that's what I'm all about. Although this year, 2020, that has been a challenge for everybody, but I'm very excited to be back. Thank you for having me.
0: A pleasure always. You know, Mark, as I was indicating a moment ago, I look at these maps and I watch the Weather Channel. I watch our local news. It's an international story now. These raging wildfires in the western United States, We're talking Washington, where you reside and from where we broadcast, Oregon, California, Idaho, even Colorado and Utah. This is a phenomenon, the likes of which I cannot recall. And I also worry about it becoming something so perennial that it permanently changes people's views about where to travel and how to travel going forward in life.
1: No doubt. My son lives in San Francisco and... When a lot of these fires started down there near his home, he and his fiancé came up to stay with my wife and I for a few weeks because their air quality had gotten so horrific. Their sky was literally as orange as my, my Porsche Turbo. And it's, that's saying a lot because my car is bright orange. And when they decided to leave after a few weeks and drive back, the fires started raging in Oregon. And I said, are you sure you want to be on the road going through this? Well, one thing he said was, He works for Google, and he said, Dad, I've got Google Maps. We can track all this. We can work around it. And he got home safe and sound, and that's one of the things that technology has brought us is the ability to have immediacy while we're on the road and feel safe, that we can reach out if we have an accident. We can see what's ahead of us. There's these apps that tell you where there's accidents. Then they tell you how to get around the accidents. The same with the fires. So that's a little plus when it comes to traveling and being on the road when all these terrible, terrible things are happening. And they happen with increasing
0: regularity and ferocity. That's the thing that gets to me, Mark. In addition to obviously, the loss of life. There was a firefighter killed fighting one of the California fires. Yes. This is devastating news. I can remember now I'm going back about four years, late summer road trip, heading out to Washington and we we drove from Florida. I mean, this was we it, it wasn't late summer until we got there. You know? <laughs> yeah,
1: it's so it a long drive.
0: 71 days total actually going and coming back. And I can recall very clearly my nose knew first and then I saw on the horizon the smoke of distant fires. Yes. Now we were in we were in western Montana heading into Idaho. And I can recall seeing that and I thought what do you do? When this is going on, if it were worse than what we're experiencing right now, what would we do? And that was a situation that was bad enough, but nothing like what we see today. Some intense planning and being prepared for the unexpected is going to be key for anybody that intends to do road travel anywhere west of the Mississippi, it seems.
1: Absolutely. I have a good friend named Doug who... Loves to go climbing, and he and his buddy. Now, he's my age, I'm 62, so he's old. I won't say we're older because now it's not looking very old from this side of the fence anymore. And he and his buddy had planned to climb El Capitan for their whole lives. They'd been in training, they're ready to go. Well, a few weeks ago, they took off to go down to California. And while they're driving, they see all these fire trucks driving by them. And they're fire trucks from Bremerton and from Seattle and from areas. And you're like, what are these guys doing? Well, they hadn't been paying much attention. They've been listening to, you know, music, going on a road trip. A couple guys, that are going to go climb El Capitan. Well, they stopped in a restaurant and, sure enough, talked to some firefighters that had stopped to get some food on their way down to fight the fires. And they said, what are you guys doing? You can't go down there. Well, long story short, they got to... Uh, beautiful park down there where El Capitan is, um, Yosemite. And it was so horrible, they couldn't see El Capitan, even when they were standing below it. And they said, well, this isn't going to work. Well, what do they do? They looked at the roadmap, they look at their maps, they looked at what they're doing, and they got in their car and drove 1,200 miles to the Grand Tetons. And to uh, that marvelous uh, little park they have over there called Yellowstone. And they decided to climb some mountains there. And there's a great example of turning, I won't want to say lemons because relating lemons to these fires is no justice uh, to the fires, of course. But they decided we're going to go do this anyway. They got on the road and they went somewhere else. And that's the great thing about this country. It's huge. And if you have the wherewithal in time, just find another road. And that's
0: exactly what you need to do. You can't get there these days by looking at an atlas when there are wildfires all about. Right. But GPS, the various tools of the traveler's trade are available, and thank goodness for that. There is a that sense of preparedness, Mark, where maybe you do have to turn around. I mean, looking at it now, I was trying to put what's going on now in the context of what I had been doing four years earlier. And I think, you know, It wouldn't be the worst idea in the world if you knew that was coming and you knew all that you could not see because of the fires and the smoke and all the danger and people having to evacuate. Yes. I could turn around after a stay, perhaps an extended stay, in South Dakota. Now, you're talking about being very close to the middle of the country, and you got to reconnoiter and figure, I don't know that I can continue at this point. Probably not. So you do what you can do, and then you turn around and go back home.
1: Yep, exactly. And that's what my son did on his way back to San Francisco. Instead of taking the normal route, they went around some areas. It took them an extra couple hours one day, but they got home safe and sound, and they didn't have to risk the idea of getting caught on a freeway with really nowhere to run and a fire coming at them. And you're sitting in a car. What do you do? You're in big trouble. So it's being prepared. It's planning ahead. It's thinking and communicating Now, in the case of my buddies, I was teasing him. I said, how could you not have known what was going on? And he said, you know, it was our exuberance to go down and do something we'd planned to do for decades. We thought, oh, how bad could it be? But, of course, it became very bad. But my point being, they found another route. They chose another road. They ended up at one of the most beautiful parks in this country, Yellowstone. They climbed for a few days, and they made their way back home. And that's the attitude you you have to have when you get on the road, right? Um, We're going to tell a little story at the end of our talk here about Richard Pepe that is going to blow you away of a guy that has an incredible attitude about getting on a road journey.
0: I look forward to hearing that. By the way, this is a sad irony. Yosemite National Park, home to El Capitan, is closed today precisely because of the dense smoke. Yes. It makes the place untraversable. That's how serious this is. And I don't think we can solve it state by state, though God bless those people are willing to come from Bremerton and points north down to California in order to help out. We've seen a lot of that, even fire companies from international places as far south as Australia. That's about as south as you get. (laughs) Yes. Willing to come and help as Americans have helped them when they had this terrible phenomenon going on a couple of years ago, I believe it was. Oh, absolutely.
1: So yeah, I have friends in who are firefighters in San Diego that are now fighting fires up near Yosemite. So they're pulling in people from everywhere. And, uh, you know, God bless these firefighters and first responders. These are people that are braver among brave and when you watch some of these videos of these pilots they're doing drops my next door neighbor's a pilot and he said holy cow i can't believe some of the flying i've seen of these huge jets that drop these giant water bombs and they drop these uh that orangey red uh particulate that sticks to the ground and stops fires these people are absolutely incredible we owe them all a huge huge uh debt when they all come home from this
0: here here I did want to ask you particularly, Mark, before we move, I want to hear about your friend, Richard Pepe. This is really going to be something.
1: <laughs> well, he's wa- not my friend because he's he's, uh, he's a bit gone, but he, he's a wonderful story. He's a okay. tribute to your show and the spirit of getting on the road and going out there. So we'll we'll talk about him. We relate. But I
0: did want to ask you on a personal note, Mark. Yes. You are a collector of cars. With the smoke damage and the fires, how do you gauge the risk and have you done anything special to try to protect your own collection? You've got that beautiful orange turbo you're riding yes, around
1: in. Yes, my orange crush. Yeah, I'm glad you asked that. There's a lot of things you can do. Number one, a car cover. Uh, car covers are incredible. They're a, they're probably the best thing you can do for your car if your car sits outside. Uh, Whether it sits outside all the time or when you're at work. You know, our cars are typically used for commuting and then they sit for eight, nine, ten hours a day out in the sun, even when it's not bright sun, if you're not in a beautiful part of the country, rain, snow. There are car covers these days. And I have to put in a plug for my friends at Covercraft because they're the ones that I use all their car covers I have since I was in high school. In fact, I was the only guy in high school that covered my car. That's how. Luna tune I am about protecting my car. Put a car cover on your car. That will keep all the ash and the fallout from getting on your car. But here's another important thing. If your car does get ash on it, do not dry wipe that ash off. Ash has particulates in it that will scratch the surface of your vehicle. So you can hose it off, and then very gently wash the car, but don't just go brushing it off, or I've seen people using a broom to get it off, much less volcanic ash. We had that little blow up, what, a couple decades ago down south of us called Mount St. Helens. Mm. That stuff is is horrible. It'll destroy airplane engines, uh, but it will destroy surfaces. So yeah, use a car cover, and basically uh, put a good coat of wax or sealant on your car, uh, a couple times a year to keep a barrier there between the paint and any of the stuff that falls in your car, whether it's ash or fallout or those nasty bird droppings.
0: Well said. But as plugs go, that one's pretty handy for everybody. About <laughs> yeah. now, nicely yep. done. <laughs> Let us so we we encourage everyone to be safe. They know that much. Anyone does. It, it's a matter of how you do about it as adroitly as you can and making use of the technology and the products that we have. Thank goodness but Mother Nature is having her way, and it's for us to cope. And I just hope that everyone will do it as safely and intelligently as possible. Let us move on now. Let's, let's get into something happier, something inspiring, Mark yes. Green. Let's, let's talk <laughs> about this gentleman, Richard Pepe. I, I don't know much about him, but I think you're going to tell us right now.
1: Well, a little bit, yeah. This is a wonderful story. This story comes from my friends at Magneto Magazine. Magneto Magazine is a UK publication. It's rather new. Uh, a wonderful guy by the name of David Lillywhite and Jeff Love. David's been a guest on my Car Show podcast in the UK. They started this magazine. It's about cars. But in this current issue, number seven, is a story about a gentleman named Richard Pape, P-A-P-E. And when it comes to road trips... It's important to remember that it's not always the destination; it's the time and the fun it takes to get there and to get back. Uh, this gentleman was 65. was 65 years ago when he embarked on a 17,000-mile 17, journey. 17,000 miles. He started uh, 71 degrees north. That's 600 miles inside the Arctic Circle, and he decided to drive a Austin, which is an English car, a four-door sedan, all the way to the Southern Cape of Africa. Now, think about it. This was decades ago. There was no GPS. There was probably not maps in a lot of the places that he went. This guy endured crashes. He lost several cars along the way by crashing them off cliffs. He got lost in the Sahara Desert and went off on foot with no food or water, almost died, was found by the French Foreign Legion who saved him. He went through numerous co-drivers who he apparently he was a very ornery guy and he liked to drink a lot of whiskey. And (laughs) after a while, his co-drivers either gave up on him or he tossed them out of the car. Uh, He bribed his way through checkpoints. He endured a plague of giant flying biting beetles and giant frogs, torrential rain and rivers of mud. I mean, this is a journey that's absolutely incredible. You could probably look him up in Google, you can find the story, the rest of the story. To quote Paul Harvey in the number seven issue, Magneto. But when I read this, I was thinking of our talk with you, Gary, and thinking, "Oh my gosh! Imagine!" And this is way back in the day when he took off. Oh, I forgot the donkey that he hit when he drove through Paris. <laughs> he he hit a donkey that flew onto the top of his car, uh, and he had his car covered with jerry cans of fuel because. Think about driving to the Congo or the sub saharan African continent. There's no gas stations, right? So... The spirit, let's all channel the spirit of Richard Pape when we decide to get out there on the road. And I know we're going to talk a little bit in our talk today about people and the changing transitions that not only, um, well, these fires have caused, but the coronavirus, and there's another 800 pound gorilla in the room that have changed people's habits, which I find really fascinating. I've got some facts to share, but yeah, next time you set off on a journey, remember the name Richard Pape.
0: I definitely will. Now I've heard of moose being a big problem when you drive through the woodsy parts of New England. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that hitting donkeys was a, a driving hazard in the streets of Paris. No. So that's
1: a new one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Richard, if there was trouble, they say Richard found it. He was the magnet for trouble.
0: Yeah. That's an adventure. So that's certainly going to be uh, worth finding out more. Absolutely. Let, let's go ahead and talk about some of this research you did. You were kind enough to do some homework for your yes. appearance on Trip
1: Talk today. What did you uncover? Well, this is very interesting to me because I have several friends, as I believe you do, and we probably all do. Being in my age bracket, many of my friends are retiring And they're trying to do, figure out something to do. And many of them have dreams of traveling the world. Well, of course, this year, coronavirus killed many of those dreams. On top of the fact that sometimes traveling the world may not feel so safe. And when you stop and think about this incredible country we live in, there is so much to see. Why go abroad why not go see the United States of America? So one of the things that I learned was there's a, an organization called seoclarity.net and they do these researches on all sorts of things and this is on road trip research and they found out that the percentage change in long distance road trips from 2019 to 2020 is 35.4%. That's an increase of over 35% of people taking Road trips. Now that's counterintuitive to what's going on with coronavirus, where everyone thinks we're all locked down, right? The average daily long-distance road trip in 2020 um, is about 202,647 trips, and the uh, the the long-distance road trips last year were 149,000. So when you think about these two variables, it jumped up from 149,000 to 202,000. That means people are getting out on the road. And so it's interesting to think, okay, well, why is that? Well, people are going to where they don't have to worry about coronavirus. They're getting campers. I mean, if you look at the camping industry, the trailer industry, the SUV industry, it's booming right now. It's it's just blowing out of the weeds. And I have several friends that have retired and they're buying beautiful trailers. They're buying big Buses, you know, these camper buses, they're buying nice SUVs to go travel. And they've said, you know what? You can't keep us down. We're going to go out and enjoy things. They can still go to grocery stores, stock up, go to a campground, go to a remote place, pitch a tent, and you can have some fun. So you don't have to be locked in your house like so many people are right now. No, you
0: don't. And in particular, if you go to New England, I give them props of it, particularly the state of Vermont. They have been a model of how to respond through safety consciousness, having that community concern, the social interest that it takes to overcome something like this. Right. And as a result, I'm not saying they have zero cases, but it is so minuscule compared to what's going on nationwide that they have served as a role model of how to do this, how to, how to cope with this. And I can see where people would want to go, myself included, would want to go up there to experience Vermont Uh, whether for the first time or, in my case, for the second time, knowing that there is relative safety there and that you don't have to stay cooped up forever, seemingly. You can just, again, apply some intelligence, some practical horse sense to how you're going to conduct yourselves on the road, and you can stay safe and have a great time besides RVs. Wonderful way to go. It doesn't surprise me for you to tell me how well that industry is doing, even in the midst of all this, Mark, because there is a couple. They live in Bellevue, Washington, and they made what I call the diagonal dream come true. They actually, I can't remember whether they actually rented it long term, leased it or bought it, but they were in a big RV because when they came down this way, I got to have Christmas dinner just outside it as they set up camp in an (laughs) RV park. It was fascinating. They went... From Alaska down to South Florida and then back home to Washington. The Diagonal Dream, they planned it for over a year down to the last detail and keeping weather fluctuations in mind. And they had the trip of a lifetime. So this is acquiring some cachet with people who maybe earlier in their life never thought they would do such a thing.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And by the way, those numbers I quoted... That was just for Washington State. Let me give you some numbers for the United States. In 2019, there were 8.6 million long-distance road trips made by people in the United States. In 2020, 12 million. Mm. Huge increase in the number of people that are doing, and these are not short trips. These are long-distance, multi-night, overnight-type trips. And there's another company, Ad Taxis, a coronavirus and automotive study that they did, website, adtaxis.com. They said 70% of respondents have lowered their budget due to the pandemic, and 56% have shifted their focus from buying a new car to a used car. Now, I believe that because I've heard from many of my guests on Cars, yeah, the used car market is having a very difficult time. There are not enough used cars. Kind of makes sense because if you don't know what the economy is going to do or if you're even going to have a job because it's been closed down because of coronavirus, you're not going to go buy a new car, right? But if you need a car, you're going to go buy a used car. So the used car market, if you have a car you want to sell right now, you're in the catbird seat. And if you have a vehicle that can be used for camping, maybe it's a used trailer, somebody who's just starting to get into that, a camper, something like that, uh, you're going to have no problem selling it.
0: No, you definitely will not. I, a couple of weeks ago, I was reading something about that, Mark. It's the used car market that's going through the roof. There's not a lot of room to dicker right now. Let's put no. it that way. <laughs> no, the deal, no. <laughs> the seller is calling the shots and so be it and i don't know uh, how that is relative to new car sales where you're taking on a lot i realize that would be true for a lot of people but this it's this idea of planning ahead and if rv travel appeals particularly you also have the advantage of being able to book in advance where you're going to be staying and if you need to extend your stay or find an alternative nearby maybe you can't make it out west because of the wildfire situation it's going to be a perennial concern as far as i can tell it's not like a one and off event right. i don't know anybody who feels that way so if you're if you are taking something where you throw your your uh, you stow your gear in the back of a subaru outback or your your uh, i have a toyota a pathfinder we have mm-hmm. here that sort of thing um, It's just a fascinating. I think I actually got my brands wrong there. I think we've got shows how much (laughs) I have to pay. What what am
1: I driving again? I can't. Nissan
0: (laughs) is it a Toyota? It's a Toyota something. It's our SUV. There you go. uh, When we made that seventy-one day road trip, we were able to use that to very good effect. But it's this idea that you may have to turn on a dime because of conditions. And that would be true even in a normal year if you've got flash flooding in a region, for example. But now, if there is such a thing as an advantage to this, it's certainly forewarning because of all that we see on the news. You can choose to say, well, if I have to, I can cut it short at this point and maybe we get as far as central Montana and then we have to head south or go back across the northern tier of states and head back home. You do have those options. And it's an inspiration for you to read this information, the statistics, about the People who are not letting all of this, including COVID, get them down—they take normal safety precautions, plan accordingly, and they're getting out on the road. That is a welcome surprise.
1: Oh, I was really fascinated, and I'm not surprised only because I have, like as I said, I have some friends. I have a good friend, uh, Bill and Mary. He retired. He's a neurosurgeon, and he said we just ordered a new. Um, what are the the shiny silver. Uh, Airstreams, the beautiful, beautiful Airstreams, custom-made Airstream. They bought a nice vehicle to tow it with. And as they're waiting for it to be built, they've been going and doing off-road drives in their SUV, camping, kind of getting used to it. Because I said, well, wait a minute. You guys have never gone camping. You always go to four-star resorts in Hawaii. And all." he goes, you know what? If you get stuck in a four-star resort and you can't fly home or you get stuck there and you can't do anything, what fun is that? We can be on the road. If we have to shift, turn down another road, like you say, a fire or someplace closes, we can pull off the side of the road and have a a rest. And they love being outdoors. And here's the other part of this, I think, Gary, that's a key part of this whole thing. As we get older and society is realizing the importance of becoming more healthy, and when you get older and you let's say you retire and you have more time, You can exercise more. You can get more healthy. You can eat right. You know, when you go to a resort, the food is wonderful, but it's not usually very good for you. But if you're traveling in your own vehicle, you can bring your healthy shakes. You can bring your healthy food. You can hike. You can get out there. And I think it's a big part of older people in the U.S. realizing the importance of getting out there and exercising and walking and hiking and being in nature. And this country has nature. Oh, it's just never ending.
0: It's never ending and we don't want it to come to an end. This is the thing that weighs on my mind so much, Mark. I do try to maintain an optimism, especially when it comes to travel. And I hope that there are solutions that our leaders can come up with. Our politics are so divided right now, let's face it. But we're talking about mother nature within our borders that offers something unparalleled in the world. And I hope that we come up with a smart plan to save it not only for ourselves, but for generations to come.
1: Well, I hope so. And you know what? I have optimism that we will because we learn by our mistakes. We hope that others learn by their mistakes. And so my confidence here is when when Mount St. Helens blew up, they said it would be Decades and decades before anything came back from an explosion and the destruction of that magnitude. Within a year, trees were sprouting up through the ash. Mother Nature is resilient beyond any of our understanding, and I have the confidence that we'll be able to make this happen.
0: Thank you so much, Mark Green, for joining us. And once again, your podcast is called Cars Yeah. It's a wonderful, wonderful avenue for people to explore car culture, even for people like me who don't know the difference between a Toyota and a (laughs)
1: Nissan. I'm going to train you, Gary. Don't worry. We'll get you dialed in.
0: I will learn a lot. Mark Green, thanks so much for joining us today.
1: Thanks for having me. This is always a blast. Love to take the road with you, Gary.
0: Fantastic. And thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in to American Road Trip Talk, along with Thomas and Becky Repp, co-founders of American Road Magazine. We remind you to visit our website, AmericanRoadMagazine.com, to preview the current issue of American Road. Until next week, dream well and drive safely on the American Road.